Check out Unpacking Israeli History podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes in a Nissan Pathfinder, search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber Teen account. You probably drive your teenager around. A lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber Teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Hey y'all, Eves here. Today's episode contains not just one, but two nuggets of history. Consider it a double feature. Enjoy the show. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we bring you a new tidbit from history every day. The day was April 1st, 1960. From Cape Canaveral, Florida, NASA and its partners launched the weather satellite Tyros-1, short for Television Infrared Observation Satellite, at 6.40 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. That day, Tyros-1 sent back the first-ever television picture from space. In 1960, the space race was gaining momentum as the United States and the Soviet Union competed for dominance in spaceflight advancement. The nations were launching satellites and lunar probes and sending humans into space. The Tyros program began in this climate. At the time, it still was not clear how effective satellite observations were, so scientists were tasked with developing a meteorological satellite information system that could reliably forecast weather and help people make important weather-based decisions, like disaster warnings. Tyros-1, the satellite that kicked off the Tyros program, was the first satellite launched for remote sensing of Earth. Its launch marked the first time Earth scientists could continuously view the whole planet and observe weather conditions from space. Tyros-1 was designed to test the feasibility of using television pictures to monitor Earth's cloud cover and weather patterns from satellites. It had two TV cameras to photograph cloud cover, one with a wide-angle view and the other with a narrow-angle view. The cameras were slow-scan devices that took a snapshot once every 10 seconds. 
Once the pictures were taken, they were sent back to a ground receiving station or stored in a tape recorder on board for playback later, depending on the location of the satellite. Tyros-1 wasn't always pointed at Earth, and it could only function in daylight. There were two Command and Data Acquisition, or CDA, stations for Tyros-1. One at the Army Signal Corps lab in Belmar, New Jersey, and the other at the U.S. Air Force facility at Kaina Point, Hawaii. In addition to these, an engineering and backup station was at the RCA plant in Heightstown, New Jersey, where Tyros was built. Once the pictures were received at the CDA station, they were recorded on 35mm film so prints and large projections could be made. Using the prints and projections, a hand-drawn cloud analysis called a NEF analysis was made, and then a facsimile was sent to the U.S. Weather Bureau National Meteorological Center near Washington, D.C. The launch of Tyros-1 was scheduled for 5.44 a.m., but it was an hour late, according to NASA Administrator T. Keith Glennon. Glennon said in the book The Birth of NASA, The Diary of T. Keith Glennon, It was a picture taken obliquely, looking westward from New Jersey toward the center of the country, and revealed a cyclonic disturbance that was actually in being at that time. Naturally, everybody was excited. The first pictures taken were presented to U.S. President Dwight D. Eisenhower, who scolded Glennon for getting the first photo on April Fool's Day. Tyros-1 died from an electrical failure in mid-June 1960, after working for only 78 days. But during its time in operation, it transmitted 19,389 pictures that were used in weather operations. And the Tyros project continued. The initial Tyros series ran until 1967, when Tyros 10 was deactivated. After that, NASA and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration launched a next-generation satellite series with technological improvements, like higher-resolution imaging. Now, weather satellites and meteorological observation are far more sophisticated. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Here's a note on that first TV picture from space. So there's a picture that goes around that's commonly labeled as the first picture, but it's not actually the first picture. It's the one that was taken on the afternoon of April 2nd. That April 2nd picture showed a fuzzy black and white image of Maine and Canada's maritime provinces. It's not quite clear why this misidentification happened, but it could be because it was selected as the best photo for public relations and then misinterpreted by the media. If you haven't gotten your fill of history after listening to today's episode, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TDIHC Podcast. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.
There are some stories in Jewish history that are so bizarre, so fascinating, so completely wild that they feel like they're straight out of a movie, but they're all true stories. Join hosts Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab on Jewish History Nerds for a new season of intrigue, mystic realms, and bloody battles. In season three of these podcasts, you'll meet an ancient Arabian king who converted to Judaism in a struggle for power, a mysterious author who created amulets and performed Kabbalistic exorcisms, and a can't-miss story of a female Hasidic Rebbe whose story unfolds like a real-life Yentl to challenge societal norms. Jewish history nerds will keep you on the edge of your seat as you learn all about some of the craziest and most amazing yet largely unknown stories that fill Jewish history books. Find out what happened, how it happened, and why each story still matters today. Don't miss Jewish History Nerds Season 3, hosted by Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab. Find Jewish History Nerds wherever you listen to podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey y'all, it's Eves, and welcome to another episode of This Day in History Class, a show that uncovers a little bit of history every day. The day was April 1st, 1940. Environmental and political activist Wangari Maathai was born. 
Matai was the first African woman to win the Nobel Prize. Matai was born in Nyeri, Kenya, and raised in an area that was known as the White Highlands. She was the daughter of Kikuyu subsistence farmers, and she had five siblings. Her older brother convinced her parents that she should go to school rather than focus on work around the house. So she went to the Atite Primary School, St. Cecilia's Intermediate School, then Laredo Limuru Girls School. After finishing school there and getting a scholarship, she went to the U.S. to study at Mount St. Scholastica College in Kansas. At the time, the Kennedy administration was funding East Africans to study at American colleges as colonialism in East Africa was ending, and many Kenyans went to study at U.S. universities. Matai got her bachelor's degree in biology in 1964, then her master's from the University of Pittsburgh. By the time she returned to Kenya, the country had gained its independence from the British Empire and become an independent republic. Matai was recruited to be a research assistant in zoology at the University of Nairobi, but she was denied the position because of what she believed to be gender discrimination. Soon, though, the university hired her as a research associate in the Department of Veterinary Anatomy. In 1971, she got her doctorate from the University of Nairobi. She worked her way up at the institution, becoming a senior lecturer, then chair of the Department of Veterinary Anatomy, then an assistant professor. The research she took on made her more aware of the environmental issues of Kenya, especially those in rural areas. Matai married a Nairobi businessman in 1969, and the couple eventually had three kids together. They ended up getting a divorce in the 1980s, but his involvement in politics and advocacy for finding jobs for unemployed people led her to link her work and interest to employment opportunities. Matai started a business called EnviroCare, which involved people planting trees as a way to help the environment and create jobs. The business did not last, but it did help lead her to a new tree planting project called Save the Land Harambe, which turned into the Greenbelt Movement. The Greenbelt Movement was focused on tree planting for poverty reduction and environmental conservation. Throughout her life, Matai remained dedicated to environmental causes. Deforestation was causing soil runoff and water pollution. It was increasing poverty, reducing the amount of vegetation livestock had to eat, and causing children to have to eat more processed foods. Matai aimed to combat these effects through the Greenbelt Movement, which planted millions of trees, gave small payments to people who planted and preserved trees, and provided services like workshops on family planning and nutrition. The organization spread to countries across the African continent and soon extended its influence to other nations around the world. Matai was also active in politics. In 1989, she protested against the construction of an enormous office tower in Nairobi, leading investors to withdraw their support from the project. She opposed the one-party state and the leadership of Kenyan President Daniel Arap Moi. Her opposition and outspokenness did earn her the ire of Moi and other government officials who disliked the Greenbelt Movement's pro-democracy positions. Still, Matai was elected to parliament in Kenya in 2002 and was appointed Assistant Minister for Environment, Natural Resources, and Wildlife. 
In 2004, Matai got the Nobel Peace Prize for her, quote, contribution to sustainable development, democracy, and peace. She died from complications of ovarian cancer in 2011. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you want to send us a note on social media, you can do so on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at T-D-I-H-C podcast. You can also send us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening to the show, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, Take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. Check out Unpacking Israeli History Podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups Hamas and Hezbollah to the story of Nakba to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app.